Hello and welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the interesting and creative people of Austin, Texas. As always, my intention is to have meaningful and in-depth conversations that I hope will be of value to you, the listener. They certainly are to me. I really love doing these interviews, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support our local art communities and create opportunities and success for ourselves through conversations like these. You might have noticed, unlike many other podcasts, this one has no sponsors. For me, it's a passion project that I create and produce 100% on my own every week. Please consider helping to support me and my continued efforts by becoming a patron of mine. Go to austinarttalk.com and click on the support tab to learn more. And if you really love an episode and have a feeling it might benefit someone else, please share it with them. It might be exactly what they need to hear. Thanks to those who follow and interact with me on Instagram, at Austin Art Talk. That is by far my favorite social media platform. I post daily about local art events and try to support and share the work of previous podcast guests, along with other interesting people, art, and podcasts that I find which you might enjoy. On to the rest of the show. Reheb El-Sadek is a conceptual artist whose work often has the aesthetic of objects discovered in the course of an archaeological dig. And even though the work may have been just created, the mystery of its provenance and age allow the viewer's imagination to expand and explore all of the rich and intriguing possibilities. Reheb's work gets inspiration from all of the different places she has traveled and from the people that she meets and what she can discover and learn from them. Her work evolves through time as she converses with those who view her exhibitions. There in those dialogues, she finds the next steps of growth and reaction. Her newest exhibition, Transient, explores how we can better learn to understand each other and what it is to belong and where you call home. What a delightfully sincere and thoughtful conversation this is. Please enjoy and be sure to check out Reheb's work online and in person if possible. Here is Reheb. Okay, Reheb. Thanks for being on my podcast. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So here we are at Canopy. We both have studios here, and um, we're in the middle of the East Austin Studio Tour, which is will not be relevant to anyone after this (laughs) next weekend. But, you know, I first became aware of you and your work when you had the uh, Memory Palace exhibition at Big Medium. Mm -hmm. And now you have a exhibition at Prizer Arts and Letters called Transient. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to talk about both of those exhibitions, uh, probably towards the end. But first, I kind of want to as I do with people, get into who they are, why they do what they do, their history. And I thought I'd maybe start with your artist statement from your website. Does that work? Yes. Okay. You say, I value the opportunities art provides me to connect with people on an emotional and intellectual level. Meditation on interior space, immersion into unique overlooked outdoor places, and examination of alarming social and political trends taking place in the world inform the artistic inquiries of my practice. So I'm wondering, maybe as a jumping off point, maybe if you could start by just sharing with anyone that's listening that's not familiar with your other work. They've heard that statement, like how could you add on to that to kind of expand and give people an idea of what your work is like. 
First of all, it's mm, the interest is always like inspiration from uh, around me, mm-hmm. where I live or where I am at the moment. And um, it keeps changing because I have changed living in different places. And But getting to know where I am and know the people, know what's kind of the highlight of what's needed from the artist to bring, you know, so that's what motivates me and makes me feel like um, as any art, conceptual artist, you kind of feel like you are uh, a reflection of the people around you. It's not like you do what people want. It's more like you try to just feel what is the concerns or what is the highlights of your society and uh, how to connect people and how to connect with people. And Mm -hmm. um, that's what I love making through art. Yeah. So I wonder you're... As we all do, I imagine we're trying to be in tune with what we feel about the world, but then you're saying you're also kind of have your eye to everyone else, how they're processing what's happening in the world, and that all kind of gets filtered into your work. Yeah, I feel like we're all like artists, as everybody has a responsibility. We have responsibility to do so. Otherwise, you know, things are going to change to what we all we, we all want our community to be positive and to connect with each other and hear each other and artists the as straightforward you know uh, spot and uh, a privilege to be an artist yeah and it's also can be difficult too is it <laughs> it is definitely it's both but it's who you are and what you choose to do and um, i just love doing this And your motivation, it sounds like, is to make the world a better place, to use kind of a cliche, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes and no. It's, of course, yes. But it's also, I'm not going to change the world by myself. And everybody's aware, like, a single voice is not going to do anything. But we are all, like, in this world, feeling like everybody's going to materialistic, whatever needs, that's more than... Oh, let's visit a museum, or let's spend go to this artist talk, or things are and the funds are shrinking. And every, I'm not saying just I'm not talking about the U.S. I'm talking mm-hmm. about in general, and it's super scary that you feel like if we don't support each other as like the art community and people support like going keep going to museums and keep expanding their you know their visions about what I need because sometimes like kids they don't know that a museum is something they would need later or an exhibition is something that can help you as you know as a person to touch things that you don't know about yourself or about Mm. others so um, this is important we are all need art in our life as I mean like it's not as just makers I mean like as I don't call makers it's not like that people who think as artists but uh, people who also perceive it everybody needs it how long have you felt like this I mean I'm just kind of wondering you know we could just go right 
back as far as you want into your life and just maybe help us understand like how you discovered that you wanted to be an artist? Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Because I, <laughs> I never thought what, yeah, you know, when you talk as a kid, oh, I want to be an artist. That's absolutely, you know, nonsense. It's yeah, you talk, know because you about. never talk about like, <laughs> yeah, you never know what you're I'm asking for. <laughs> exactly. I have been in, I grew, I grew up luckily in a family that my dad was studied history and uh, Latin and um, he worked for the government, but for public relation, which is like... Um, meeting people and yeah. hearing people and uh, he loved his work and he was writing too so I was around him a lot and most of his uh, friends were you know either museum directors or so we will go to a museum he will take me and this friend will take us downstairs to you know where there is a behind hidden the yeah behind yeah. the scenes and where they are labeling art and you know just like with a torch and uh, you go down down and see all these treasures and that's a privilege that I grew up in this uh, atmosphere I didn't know this this is art I wanted to be an archaeologist yeah right. and yeah and in Egypt we we still I don't know if it happened but there's no archaeology major where I was in Alexandria and I I still didn't hear that it happened yeah, it was so it was planned <laughs> yeah yeah planned to happen never happened so um i wanted to do a restoration museum restoration mm. so bad and i always looked at artifacts like that's i wish i was back at this time living at this time with these things yeah half a statue or a hand of a dog or you know something like as every kid or even as an adult as i grew up this like i always this fantasy this like surprise me thing is like yeah. the, the unexpected and uh I always looked at history, not only my culture as as an Egyptian, but in general, like, uh, you know, Japanese, Chinese, where a lot of places in Africa or um, in Australia, how the human uh, culture uh, deeply represented not just everyday life, it represented emotions, it represented politics, it represented it represented people as they are and the traces we have right now are deeply precious like if you go mm. to the metropolitan see how like i i was just spent three days in new york and just in the metropolitan in the egyptian section oh, and wow. i was like thinking it's not enough because i was rushing I, I i wish i spent 30 days because it's more like it's not just uh when you see contemporary art it's it brings something to you it moves you but when you see art you know as the human history without these artists wanting to send a specific message to you but sometimes you connect with i'm not saying only i'm not saying about the craft part of it okay. i'm talking about the expressive part of it why it happened at this time and yeah. when you see that and overlook that you feel how how there is a rich like history is a very rich and horizon it's never ending so that's mm. that's what i'm always looking for to learn from yeah every day yeah if no one's seen your work and they should definitely check it out online 
it reminds you of artifacts. It reminds you often of something that you might discover and be surprised by and that has some kind of an ancient message or kind of something that you need to decipher the meaning of it or um, just kind of like a aged, worn look to it, wouldn't you say? I'm glad you got this. uh, That's what I'm always looking for. I'm always to make something look like it was it existed for thousands of years or hundreds of years if i'm lucky i'm like i will work hard to get the best effect like of this effect because i feel like aging an object itself is like you bring the it's not just the potential of you getting the best potential of the object but also you make um, you open the door for the viewer to put their own thoughts about it. Mm. It's not complete. It's not, it looks like it's, it can be something that they can put their, their imagination or yeah. their thoughts to it and complete it for you or from themselves. And that's what's the most exciting part is to talk to people. For me, like, I love making art, but what I love the most is talking to people about my work when it after it happens, not in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because in the middle you're always like hmm, distracted. Yeah. So, but um, I always love to hear from people what they see from this because it's not just something that surprises me; it kind of pushes me to the next step. That's yeah. the thing that I'm looking forward to hear. That's oh, that's what I'm missing here, or that's what I think I go and can go further in this i can stretch more and do more justice in this part so Mm. it's the viewer is as important and the viewer is always considered with the work not as uh i'm making something for somebody i'm making something for a lot of people and i know i mean like i have this point of view and i want to know people's point of view after they see this work how this work is going to change and evolve and it's always like every work is a step for the next one so it's a learning process and it's Hmm. just uh, enjoyable the viewers of your work are kind of you're evolving with them in conjunction with them as you're both creating and reacting to the work i love that just sounds like a lovely process that i don't know that Maybe all artists are doing that in a sense, but I don't know. I, you know, there's the whole thing about the artist always being kind of sequestered in their studio and making work by themselves. And this reminds me of a conversation we had about your Memory Palace show. And you said that feedback that you got from that about people or wanting to see more people involved in the work and some are represented in the work somehow led to your kind of maybe how you formed your transient work mm-hmm. too, right? That's very true. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, we will get to talk, talking about those. Maybe just to, to revisit real quickly, if you could just share kind of like your path of being an artist, like from a child through college and like how you discovered different materials or different ways of working to your first exhibition. Like. <laughs> a child was funny because I was always the special child. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so uh, always in my world, like doing something on the side, you yeah, know, so yeah. you are in a room full of people and you're just sitting there doing something like, <laughs> you know, maybe sitting down just 
thinking about something yeah. for hours. Yeah. My my mom was always saying that I was super quiet, like they thought something is wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> Either quiet or very hyper. It's yeah. like, okay. yeah. So um, I grew up in the city next to Alexandria, where my dad was, uh, work, his work, and our Everybody's in Alexandria, and the bus going back and forth is like, at the time the roads were slow, it was like four hours or five hours wow. in the desert. And I was always by the window looking at just, you know, just like this way, like the the Mediterranean is a blue line. And yeah, I, I might yeah. still like, I remember my parents will always, if we just get quick tickets, my parents will always ask whoever next to the window our child wants to be can we please switch yeah, well, yeah. Can, can she say it because I will be like my head out and just in my world like yeah. thinking of nothing maybe but yeah, just yeah, like yeah. enjoying this and I grew up feeling like uh, always wanting to do something on my own mm. like being you know just busy with something and we had around the house all all the magazines from my father uh, work he always had we always had resources books magazines different languages i didn't read any english or at the time but i was looking at pictures and i was always looking at artists or you know just pictures of places in the world mm -hmm. and it looks like it was kind of like your piggy bank so my brain was kind of oh yeah yeah and Just soaking it all in uh-huh and when it's let's say i i decided the art school like decided to go and everybody like all friends and everybody let's not a job and my parents were really really supportive hmm. like you always wanted to be an artist again we didn't know what artists mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so but i started the art school like our program had like five years the first year you take everything painting uh, anatomy uh, we took Uh, they say calligraphy, English, a lot of like there is a spread sculpture, painting, printmaking, mm -hmm. and then you specialize in f whatever for four years you choose to be. Yeah. So I, I chose painting for because professors and the team in painting department were more like connected to the world and more open-minded about things mm. and i was like hey these people are gonna let me you know develop and let me grow and um it happened uh we had a lot of struggles especially with these like a lot of professors a lot of people having point different points of view but i knew that i was always looking at what's happening in Europe, in the US, and learning from how artists say performance or body art or text art, or I was always resources like we had Alexandria is a melting pot where there's different cultures, different art institutions, I mm -hmm. mean, like uh, institutions like Goethe Institute, French Center, and everybody had like resources, books at this time, no internet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. just books. So that's what I was was doing i was just like inhaling this and because i was working 24 7 it's what you love and yeah you're finally, this must have been the time of your life yes right? yes it's the most i remember this as the most beautiful thing i ever had that i had support from my family i had i was doing what i want i was seeing the effect on people i was seeing encouragement and people saying oh that's 
the best thing we have ever seen or that's oh wow or you yeah, know yeah. all of this for you as you're starting you mm. feel like that's that's kind of pushing you more forward and p- pushes you to even have ex- more ep- expectations of yourself mm, yeah. and um, when you see I started like the first time I was able to travel by myself and stay in residency it was 98 uh, UNESCO covered my the whole thing for you know three months in Gasworks studios in London it's a mm. great place to start with and from there I started feeling like hey I can do more, I can deliver more, uh, there is a lot of potential in this or that, and I know I can be a better, you know, a better artist, I can do this much better, so it's it started and never ended, mm. and it's just, I mean, wonderful to be able to do what you lo- love the most, you know? Yeah. And didn't you have a stint in the fashion industry that also kind of influenced uh-huh. your work with the yes. fabrics and uh-huh yeah that's that's very true like um after college, I started working in fashion with a friend recommended me to you know this German fashion designer was in Alexandria, and I learned quickly and I really wanted a break after college, kind of like wanted yeah. to another restart button for something else. Yeah. I didn't know that I was working in collage most of the time, collage and drawing. And then when I started fashion, even if we were not really doing anything with fabric, it was just design. But digging my head in fashion books, I was just thinking, hey, I can maybe you know, add to my collage, I can add some fabric. And the fabric brought, you know, what I like the most in any museum, just going to where, you know, you can see paper and pigments and fabric and, you know, uh, any fragments. You know, I took a trip to, after I, you know, the fashion world is very harsh and it Mm. wasn't my fit. And I was like, it, it gave me more... I can say determination to be more like com- and commitment to the art mm. as a professional because I was thinking it's gonna fulfill something in me like the connection, not just the studio work, and it's gonna bring me to connect with people. And I found out that actually it's brainwashing people. It's like this industry. Mm. I mean, like it's more like led by business, and yeah. everything there is not true. It's not. It's it's a made up for for selling things, yeah, yeah. and that's not where I wanted to be. So I was like, "Hey, I can do much better, and I can use what I learned to develop my artwork." And here, just started the yeah. fabric fever in my work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So when was your first? You had a first exhibition in Cairo, right? That kind of, I think it's interesting that the work that you've described to me in that exhibition is very similar to the work you're still doing like 20 years later. That's very true. I started, it was actually before heading to London. Okay. Uh, Before the residency, I was, me and the gallerist talked about uh, collage. And then uh, all of a sudden, after three months, I decided to go more to objects and book sculptures and 
I contacted her. She was in Cairo, Alexandria. Do you want to visit? And she was like, no, I trust you. Do you want to have a studio visit? She was like, whatever, you come with. I trust you. Yeah. So I was, that's a good one too, because when you have somebody, uh, when you work with people that uh, they believe in you, you can do better. You can do whatever. I mean, like you want, not just what you want to do, better than that's what they might be expecting from you. So so it was uh, a start for this work right after moving from fashion design. Mm Mm-hmm. Could you describe maybe like one aspect of that show that maybe kind of relates to your work now? Uh, the book sculptures. Okay, okay. It was, I used, uh, my dad passed away 91 and I kept like all his books and everything were sitting mm. there looking at me. Sometimes he had like three copies of something. I don't know why, but a copy he would read, a copy he would give to someone or a copy on the shelf, just preserved. And um, I was like, I want to do stuff with his, especially that he always puts notes and things. And, oh, wow. and then I started using his personal books and turning them to uh, kind of collaboration and at the same time it's continuation of somebody that's not there but yeah. they are there by by everything and um, it's like then I started collecting books from flea markets that has other people writings and other people I started this connection of uh I mean, like the b- beauty of fa- found objects, because you never know what you are, you're going to find. And it's always like for you when you find it, it's like you've been really, really hungry and you've like entered a square and the square has a meal that you don't know what it is. Yeah. And when you just ah. uh, open, you find these surprises that's kind of let you do more and let you just, you know explore things that you have never imagined and um i i'm still in love with art books i mean, I mean every once in a while that's like my sketch uh, a lot of artists like meanwhile they work they just they are sketching a sketchbook yeah for me art books or art book sculptures are my sketchbooks mm. like the release the relief and the kind of the excitement for that that transition between something and another yeah yeah Yeah. makes me think of archaeology i mean just the way you're talking it makes me think of just other things you said about like discovering something being surprised by something it's like that's what archaeology is like when you're digging and you're it's like what are you going to find and then you're surprised by something you've never seen and then it has this history in it that you have to imagine part Uh of it you know and create that Uh i'm just wondering also like what are you doing with the books like as sketches you know the way you're talking about um that. so let's say the book is i i like used stuff so even i can start from a blend like like a new book but it's yeah. it's never it's rarely happened i like like i use something that has some age in it something in it maybe not age maybe anything that has life of other people before me yeah. or that been touched before or been used by whoever that I don't know, but I can know when I dig it. So it's more like, uh, it's always experimental because when you, and it's also, it's what you have at the moment, you implant whatever mm. you have on this object. So the object sometimes 
overtake you and sometimes you are the one who leads it to hmm. be something else like if you at the memory palace if you remember the yeah. two houses from books like book stacks yeah those were the books were used as material the look of the book or whatever the the nature of each book uh, had something in it but it wasn't the most important it wasn't the hero of the object yeah, yeah. it was more like it was exactly as taking part of this object not taking over the object yeah so um that's it's it's always diff- it diff- it's different so yeah. it depends yeah yeah, yeah. So how would you then describe, I guess, the next 20 years up until the current time of your life? I know you moved to the U.S. and then you moved to Austin eventually. Like, how would you, how could you describe your life through that time period in art to get us up to the present time? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) I will try. Um, First of all, when I was in Egypt, um, I had my studio there and I was working in different locations. Like every time I was, let's say I have a residency, I'll move somewhere for three months Mm. and then go back. So Egypt was my spot, but I was always looking to learn from other places and make yeah, art yeah. and as as my work is always about where it it's created about the inspiration from the sur- surroundings and from the experience i was always and as we talked about uh, i like digging new things and it's what whatever was was for um travel or something was more for discovery for more for Mm. learn more and also connect with new people so um stayed in egypt till like it was really um i was in a place that i could travel and go back and learning from like i went to lebanon let's say pakistan uh and different places in egypt and workshops Mm. or residencies and and uh, in Europe, like I say, in Holland, in Italy. Um, so every place was always motivating for I want to do, I want to, let's say I had like um, a project I started in London was called, you know, Empty Shapes. That's coming from the architecture of the city and the situation of what I felt in the British Museum about our artifacts that been kind of stolen and how it's like I didn't like actually the representation in London I was my twist was like I built um, the whole gallery was in white and I built um, houses from fragments like uh, wooden sticks and things that you would think it's going to fall apart and it's all like English um, architecture mm-hmm. it's, it's it was like after sketching around the city and yeah. taking notes about um, you know how the the style of architecture that's in different places in the city. This was something I started in London and then, let's say, traveled to Turkey. And from there, I found out that the different architecture that the city has kind of pushed me to do something else with the same idea. Like, I, this project kept evolving. Mm. So travel was a kind of big part of any project uh, having um, to see different things 
um, met 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 someone and we got married and then I ha we had a kid and as soon as this happened we decided to move to the U.S. for him to finish his degree and Egypt was at the time very very hard becoming harder and harder to do anything mm. like I had work that ready to go to Havana biennial and it was everything and at the last minute nothing has traveled and these sculptures that I spent forever to make yeah. those cold sugar sculptures never been because it's made of sugar real yeah. sugar never been able to travel because of the stamps didn't happen on time or things. So it was like we were in a situation that we were thinking, it's like you're moving with no legs or hands. It's just like you're doing your best and you're doing what you can, but things around you are distracting your mm. career and your, we're not talking about success we were talking about survival even so, limitations. limitations so um we decided to move here for a while and then go back and it never happened that we went back because i found that especially after moving to austin that um that's home i feel home and i feel like i can be myself and my kid can grow in uh a positive uh, community mm -hmm. and um, during this time of the move as if you talk to any immigrant yeah. people go through this big change that we had to focus on my ex to take his degree and for me I was doing what I called self-preservation which is uh, keep sketching keep taking like photography I I kind of, we didn't have a place or resources for me to do what, continue what yeah. I was doing in Egypt. So I tried to be outside volunteering because you're not, also I came with my spouse, my ex I can't work. So, and I hope this, this kind of situation brought what the work I'm, I'm making right now, which is more about um, the situation of immigrants and mm. bringing to, um, you know, to people awareness, like it's not a personal perspective. It's sometimes it's also not only about being an immigrant. It's being that you're sometimes in a place that you don't feel that you belong. And some people are born here and they don't have this feeling. So I was digging. This is the most concern that the concept that I'm working at recently mm. is to bring uh, people to think about what belonging is, what home is, uh, how can we understand each other and nurture each other and be kind of as positive as we can and I try to be uh, more sympathetic to people immigrants let's say because it's like they're starting over they're having to relearn so many things about how life works and culture and there's isolation and the language barrier and confidence and yeah, there's it's a, a huge lot. hurdle. There is a lot and it's it differs from person to another because its circumstances are different. But it's always like imagine even if you go as an American to another state and start over. That's it's always for people moving from place to another. It's like your let's say your people, your security, but it's of course it's more the dynamics of being in a totally different environment and totally different culture is 
brings other things, good and bad things. I mean, like for a lot of people, it's so much better. That's why we're here. We're still here because if I look back to Egypt and look at education now and look at, do I want my kid to grow up in this kind of, you know, environment? Mm -hmm. There is people, I mean, Egyptian people are great, are awesome, amazing. The family support, the friends support is like phenomenal. But then there's other things around you that you can't control. It's like, that's what brings people to want to live here. And then when you are here, you also want to be part, a positive part in the community. You want to positive is more integrated or exactly you want contributing you want to be contributing and you want also to benefit people Mm. i was i wasn't feeling like as i volunteered my kids school i was hoping i can do more more things i can do you know and art is part of it i mean like art is you feel like when you bring uh, these concepts and people connect with you and you connect with them there's something good is going on i'm wondering then when you transition from just doing your self-preservation creative daily practice to actually kind of having a more robust art art practice i mean i'm assuming that probably happened in austin at some point it did, yeah. It did start in Dallas a bit, but Dallas was not as open as Austin, as we are. We all know that Austin welcomes everybody. And I was able to put in my artwork like Arabic language and people were curious. And this brings more like conversation. Then, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, there's a lot of opportunities for uh, everybody, which is, and uh, the art community is very positive too everybody supporting everybody and i feel like finally um i'm really feeling home which is great yeah Yeah. and then i don't know how many years it was after you moved here but then you ended up being austin's first artist in residence right and you Mm -hmm. did a project working with a, a city department i wonder if you could just like touch on that this was a great welcoming opportunity for me i mean like i felt like um it was um, not just pleasure. I felt very blessed with the responsibility. And it was over nine months uh, working with Watershed Protection Department as uh, it's a pilot project. We didn't know exactly what it's going to end up yeah. with. And what we were doing was more like um, I learned a lot about what Watershed mission is and what they are trying to do in the city and I went through many divisions and we went to field trips or you know uh, I attended meetings community meetings so I was that's this was a big opportunity for me Mm. as I uh, helping me to feel more like this is my home because I had more awareness of what's going on behind the curtains yeah. and uh, I wish that was my 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 goal was at the end to bring this to everybody to um, document uh, the journey as uh, myself as a um, you know an individual to bring it to our community and to mirror all that the things I have seen and being impressed with. 
and um, also the things that I found like um, there is a lot of involvement and love in watershed that I have not just spotted I experienced uh, that how people helped and how people like will jump in if, if I say something about something I get connection with somebody else that's in park and recreation or you know there was jumping all over the place and it was uh, such a wonderful experience and cultural arts division or also very it was very supportive you know involvement from everybody and I um, believe that this helped me a lot as an artist mm. uh, to to also the exhibition like what we ended up with was a pop-up exhibition about I consider myself as a translator yeah. <laughs> as a kind of a visual translator of what I have seen and I wanted to connect also uh, people in the department with every division work on their own thing and they don't really not know but they don't really get exactly what the other divisions are doing and i hope i kind of made this happen like to connect people together i'm glad you brought this up because this was a big part of why i love austin so much yeah, yeah. and yeah. didn't you also kind of discover or try to highlight the creativity that every person that works there has in their own way, even though they might not think of themselves as an artist, let's say, but there's like something yeah. creative in their job. Yeah, there was this fun piece that we created. Like I took pictures where we, what, meanwhile we were doing things, I was taking pictures and I would send, uh, so I, this was uh, a piece that I would send someone, let's say you work for, as a geologist, I will send you this picture, maybe this uh, view that we have been, like this location we have been together, and I will ask you to write something small, just like a sentence. Sometimes they recognize the location. Sometimes I will just send you something that I think is you are going to connect with, mm. as I knew you as a person. And then people brought, it brought people to just write down uh, their thoughts, and it was over 30 uh, individuals it's like an open book on the wall with handwriting and images that i thought that uh, was the most um, interesting part of the exhibition yeah. yeah yeah that's a really cool opportunity and an honor to be able to do something like like that to be the first person absolutely um let's talk about i guess it was your first really major exhibition in the united states was at big medium this year, earlier mm -hmm. this year, called mm -hmm. the Memory Palace. And then maybe talk about that and then how that, the feedback that you got from that and then how that led to your current exhibition at Prizer Transient. Um, the Memory Palace was, as you said, uh, my first solo exhibition in the U.S. Uh, and I wanted with this exhibition to bring people closer to things, to experience um, as it's called the memory palace for me to discover what the traces and the things I remember from my journey from Egypt to here and at the same time I wanted people to also connect with things that they have never been and places they have never visited so um, when you enter the exhibition you will find everything like a, there's no light 
everything is dark and um, there's spotlights on certain objects which is like you start with art books that has some uh, letters that have been sent to me and I have sent it back so it's kind of a process of different things uh, one of them like a closed one uh, that's written in Arabic Lauda means uh, return but I called it an English departure because every time I would think it's, I go back to Egypt, I would think it's a return and it's a departure back to here. So the art books will lead you to um, this wall of etched fabric that has a projection on the wall and it's all um, from demolished. uh, It's, um, I wanted to bring all these beautiful buildings that been demolished. Uh, one of them was my grandfather's uh, mosque, like a mosque that he built. Mm. And this one I have never experienced as in person, but I had uh, the plan for it forever and I didn't know what to do with it except that when the Memory Palace idea came, I was like, this has to be one of the highlights of this imaginary place that I wanted to create for people. So you walk between the wall and uh, yeah. yeah, the artwork and you're sandwiched between these, the projection and the artwork and you can see through outside as ha- everything is hazy. So I wanted to bring myself to and the viewer to these places that's been been there never been like they are never there anymore and the whole exhibition was inspired by Italo Calvino's Invisible Cities which is uh, an Italian novel from the 72 in this novel he is like there is a conversation describing fantasy places 55 of them that's named after women and uh, this one is uh, when I thought about things been like developing and developing through months and months of preparation for the exhibition and um, I was very surprised how there is descriptions in this novel that can actually describe this place that is in the memory palace yeah. so I translated some of the text in Arabic and mm. the pyramid uh, was the last object which just represents everybody when they think of Egypt they think of a pyramid and for me as an Egyptian when I was living in Egypt I was like it was like anything else it wasn't as big and you know special as I would think when I go back to memory I wanted to create my own pyramid yeah and i wanted the pyramid to be like the meditate the meditative act of uh putting cubes on the top of each other and building one by one you have the pyramid has 500 plus cubes like free cubes and the inside structure uh, which is it took like six months to make. Mm. And um, the cubes are all uh, made one by one. I, I I didn't want anybody to be involved because that's part of the concept itself mm. is to just go through and clear yourself from... You feel like sometimes you are you have heavy load because you have things that you think it's your memories and you're stuck with it and you want to kind of free yourself from this and this was the act for me the pyramid was 
the act for just like unloading myself of it's the things I remember that I saw that you know that's the end but it's actually a start for something else so wow um, and each each cube is made out of wooden dowels and mm-hmm. some of them are covered in fabric that also have Arabic on them sometimes yes. too right yes and the Arabic is uh, coming from Calvino's uh, oh, Invisible yeah. Cities yeah okay so you're saying as you're creating each cube and putting these dowels and the fabric together, you're thinking about your life mm-hmm. and in some way imagining transferring or kind of absolving or releasing these things that mm-hmm. maybe have yeah. are weighing you down in some way. It was very important. As you feel like when you are in a place, people don't you don't have history in this place. I meet you and you meet me and we we are we don't know each other's background for some people that's okay for me coming from this kind of culture that will weigh everything you have in your background as you grow up and is like and intentionally this is in you that's you are every layer of you is important so every layer of the pyramid was important till it's done mm. <laughs> and then yay it's done wow. i'm free <laughs> Now it's like this art therapy. For exactly. Yourself. Yeah. Free arts therapy. <laughs> and I will have pictures of, since I photographed the Memory Palace show, I will have pictures of that on my website. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering then how, how the Memory Palace and, like I'd mentioned earlier, feedback that you got from people viewing that then ended up in the transient work. And maybe you could describe that, that exhibition. After the Memory Palace, as I was saying, it was very personal, but at the same time, it's a communication tool, kind of communicating with people and wanted people also as, you know, I was um, being dark and having shadows and people's shadow when they go all over and you see yourself and the reflection on the wall. Yeah, It was... Um, big part that I wanted to bring people and myself as shadows inside this world fantasy world and um, this was not enough because when I talked to a lot of people I mean like I was I saw that I there's something I wanted to bring more is the voice of people the people that um, in this in the memory palace I was more talking about myself or something things coming from my head kind of so I wanted to bring other individuals to explore things with together like so um it's um it's a sound installation sound is as important as like the objects themselves I fabricated by myself and for myself I mean not for myself but by myself but all the sound installation is uh, nine people uh, that lived in different countries and in different situations Uh, only one of them uh, that is lived in East Austin forever and she's not going to leave she loves it and she's talking about the back of East Austin Mm -hmm. and then uh, this was very important to bring the balance of uh, people let's say um, uh, people that moved from Mexico to here or from um, 
uh, you know, um, Greece to here, or you have you have nine individuals that each one of them have their own background and they have their own life and they have their own perspective of being an immigrant, mm-hmm. or they're not an immigrants. They also have their own perspective of what home means. Yeah. And for every one of us, I. The sound session is a mixture between voices, and we also uh, we insisted that the gallery, like Carrie and I, were the nine people. We can't include everything in the sound component because it's going to be nothing at the end. It's going to be too much. People are not going to get anything. So what we did that we printed out the you know the text, the script from mm-hmm. the interviews, and in a room you're going to have this black wall with the script, and people are in invited to talk about the question we ask people about what's the be- the place that when you're when you feel home the most where you feel home the most uh, when do you think was the difficult place to leave or this is these questions are on the wall and people started already uh, you know writing down their yeah, you answers can write on the yes wall. you can write, write on the wall yeah. so and uh, when you enter the gallery there is you will find um, a community room that's uh, made of chairs and the chairs are not to be it's constructed as it looks like you can sit on them but it's you will hesitate because it's bringing the situation of being are you temporary here are we leaving are we staying am i happy here am i happy mm-hmm. somewhere else so all these questions with people's i i i'm thankful for people that give uh, opened their life and gave emotions and gave just like direct uh, mirror of themselves to us and mm-hmm. share with us uh, their thoughts and memories. Uh, I'm very proud of this part because it's f- for an artist to feel like you can talk, 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 but um, sometimes you feel like just one sentence will say whatever you want to say. I got connected with a lot of everybody, by the way. This was, I was surprised. Like, I would, uh, let's say, Ruchter, he's from uh, Netherlands and moved to Suriname. And he's talking about how hard it is to move from a European country to, uh, you know, a developing country and how the challenges are. So I could find a sentence that he said that it's like, I can, I can speak. Like, if I talk about myself, I'll talk about this. Yeah. I believe other people, too. We got great response of people getting connected with uh, different places in the audio. And it's it's a great opportunity. Um, in the gallery, too, there is photographs of uh, places that I lived in. My grandma's house, you know, my imaginary doll house. That's I was thinking that's the house I'm going to live in, and I have a picture yeah. of this. So I believe it's it was a very fun project. How much of that exhibition did you know before you even started installing would be a certain way and how much of it kind of emerged as you were creating it? Was it all planned or was there any any surprises? Or There was a lot of surprises. Oh, okay. So we started with the trees that I actually um, preserved from like my watershed uh, research. Yeah. 
you know. So we started with this. Carrie came to my studio and she looked at this and I was like, I told her I want to do something with these. I don't know what this is. I'm gonna, I'm, and this ended up with the community room is all white and floor is white and, you know, um, you have these trees standing in the corner and those trees are girdle trees which is like a tree that invasive tree that we get rid of because it's hurting the environment but for some scientists that's not the case that's actually we're supposed to let it go because it's nature so these kind of questions layer Mm. over layer over layer and we were thinking we are we talked about text we talked about that the whole um, room is going to f- be full of people's text and then at the end uh, I felt like the voice of a person talking to you is the most straightforward uh, that mm, will bring okay. the message yeah. the and the connection I mean yeah. like no matter what you, you you do you can text me you can do whatever but when I meet you and we or even if we talk, just talk, you know, you will feel like exactly what I mean or how I I think or yeah. because these people just opened their mind for us. And this was a huge opportunity yeah. and I'm very thankful for it. Wow. Yeah, it's a great exhibition. I would definitely recommend. Um, when does it come down? Uh, January 4th is oh, the last okay. day so we've been staying for a while Wow! and we are in Austin uh, studio tour at um, uh, 455 uh, stop 455 that's the prizer yes that's the prizer yeah. And then this weekend, you're also going to have your studio open at Canopy. Yes, and um, I'm, I'm, I will be delightful. People stop by and see uh, how things develop because I have like kind of different phases of how I develop my work, like from printmaking to what's going on. The pyramid is here, yeah, <laughs> taking over the studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I am at um, uh, what once. What room this is? Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know, too. <laughs> You're here at Canopy, yeah. Um, 161, I guess. Well, well, thank you for your time and for Thanks, everything Scott. you shared. Did you have any final thoughts or anything you wanted to say or share with? No, I just uh, want to thank you for your patience with me. Oh, <laughs> like my patience? Talking a lot. Like <laughs> no, that's why I'm here, to hear you talk. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. Thank Rahab. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care.